on the next episode of Sip Suds and Smokes. Today's episode celebrates our co-host and the 10th season of Sip Suds and Smokes. So, 10th season. Yeah. Oh my god. 10 years. I'm feeling old. You are old. Well, you are old, you know. I mean, I'm not going to kid you or anything. But um so our co-hosts for this episode are Made Man Mori and good old Galtonese. So we're going to be uh, drinking a little bit today. Uh, we've got a lovely little Chardonnay here from uh, Landmark Vineyards, their Overlook Chardonnay. It's from Sonoma County. It's 14.2% ABV, 100% Chardonnay, French oak age for 10 months, uh, 25% new casks. It's crafted by winemaker Greg Statch from 42 separate blocks of grapes, and they're sourced from some areas in Sonoma County, such as the Petaluma Gap, Sonoma Caneros, and Russian River Valley. We'll be right back after this break. live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. ready to learn everything you ever wanted to know and a whole lot that you didn't it's time for a chats episode hey hello and welcome to this chats episode where everything good in life is worth discussing as always we are the best thing on at 2 a.m occasionally on on depends on what rare are occasion. playing well you know in 2 a.m in bangladesh maybe i mean you know in like saskatchewan no definitely not well okay you know, so, well, this is Made Man Bob, and joining me today are Made Man Maury. Good morning, Bob. Happy to be here in the damp, dank, lovely basement. And good old gal Denise. Good morning, gentlemen. It's a pleasure, as always. Well, our chat segments are all about people behind the products or services that we talk about uh, here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And today's episode celebrates our co-host and the 10th season of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. So, 10th season? Yeah. Oh, my God. 10 years. I'm feeling old. You are old. Well, you are old. You know, I mean, I'm not going to kid you or anything. But um, so our co-hosts for this episode are Made Man Maury and good old Galtonese. So we're going to be uh, drinking a little bit today um, and chatting a little bit today. So we're going to get to the drinks in a minute. So right now, let's just get to uh, let's get to the talking part. So um, do you recall how we first met? Wow. No. Prison in Bangladesh, I think. I was thinking. Uh, I mean, there's uh, no way that I was sober. Your poster was next to me in the most wanted section of the post office, <laughs> I think. How we first met. I was met. correcting my poster, and I noticed you were correcting yours at the same time. Well, somebody has to, you know. I mean, I, I just remember that you had a little card with numbers below your face on that picture. So, mm -hmm. and they were all, it was 666, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so, um, well, so much for that Devil. question. But, um, you know, when you first started the show, though, you know, how long did you think it would go? Did you think you'd do that and that would be it? 
did you think it might do a couple episodes? You know, a couple episodes. You know, if I had to, I would have guessed one and that. done. But one and done. <laughs> I was hopeful it might make a second episode. Talking about the show, not you. Um, yeah, no, I would think a couple of episodes. And yeah. here we are. No so, idea it would. Wow. Go this long or no. this far or grow this big? No. Wow. No, I mean, never I, could have imagined. I mean, the f I remember the first one we did. It was supposed to be me and me and Brent, and and it worked out to where Brent was. He, he was off on his monthly travel, so it ended up being me and Harm <laughs> I doing you were it. Say his monthly cycle. <laughs> yeah, same thing for him. Um, he yeah he's 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 got him reversed. Like you know he's he's miserable for twenty eight days, and then he's tolerable for like a weekend. Oh. Um, he's backwards. Yeah. Um, but we. Uh, so it was me and Harm did it in my conference room at the office, and they had sent us the microphones and the equipment to be able to hook it up to the laptop. And when we were all done, I just remember saying, man, that was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Well, I'll get all this stuff in the box and send it back to you guys. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you keep that. You guys are going to keep doing shows. Oh, wow. That's great. Okay. And then I thought, well, this is fun. So we did them for a while, and... and uh, it was just like one or two of us, you know, and, and then, I thought you used to go to the radio station. I remember the first time I heard about this thought, what radio station are they sitting at drinking no, no. and talking on the radio? No, we did it. We did it at the, we did it in my office. Um, several of them, me and cause you know, I mean, we had very limited equipment and uh, the microphones had little cords about three foot long on them, you know? So we, uh, we actually did them in that front room before it was so full of booze and wine and stuff. And uh, and Brent would complain about having to you know sit you know like next to each other you know mm -hmm. and uh, we did that for a while and after about a year of doing that then I got a call from from our boss and he said hey and I really need to talk to you about something important I thought well that's been a good run I had a lot of <laughs> this was cool I I really enjoyed this this was great thank you so much and then uh, when I got the call hey there's a big box going going to be delivered to your office tomorrow morning of what he says. Oh, mixer board, cables, microphones, swing stands, and everything. You're going to be producing the, the whiskey shows from now on. <laughs> and I remember just stopping for a minute. And I go, what, what does produce mean? <laughs> <laughs> I better Google that. And I got, I'll talk you through it. It's not that hard. And then, uh, and then a couple of years later, it was, hey, I have something important to talk to you about. I go, okay, I'm getting fired. And then it was, hey, uh, you're going to do the wine episodes now. <laughs> See? So I'm afraid the next call. <laughs> well, you next know. call will be, hey, uh, my kid's getting married. You're paying for it. You know. Yeah, well, so, that's coming. <laughs> that's right. You know, my grandkid needs to go to private school. I need tuition. So, well, it um, just proves that all good things are so many great things. You know, yeah. start in basements yeah. and garages and never offices, conference rooms. So you never just never know. Years. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we first started and we heard the numbers of listeners. I thought you're lying right and today it's you know eight times that that's so fantastic you know, i mean you know on an average show on soundcloud we'll have you know two three million listeners just on one platform so it's it's pretty remarkable where it's where it's went from you know i mean where it's gotten to and and uh i keep reminding myself of that constantly you know don't ever take it for granted you could you know could go away in an instant and enjoy it while you're doing it. You know, enjoy the ride. Enjoy you know? the ride. Yeah. I say that all the time. It's free, free alcohol. Mm -hmm. Right. Like oh, I'm living the dream. <laughs> and so many people who enjoy the same thing. So that's, what's really great about it. When you get those numbers, 
You're like, wow, other people really like this stuff too, huh? And people actually well, listen. Every but you time see the when same we thing when show. we've hosted, uh, I'm sorry, yep. when we've hosted, uh, whether it be a dinner or a tasting or an event, people are often sponges for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed how, uh, you know, you don't intend to get up on a soapbox, but suddenly you've got people crowded around listening like you're speaking the gospel. And uh, I find that people are really thirsty for little tidbits of information yeah. about whatever the spirit or wine is. So it's it's fun that people are actually interested in listening. And when I'm talking to brands, when I'm talking to PR companies, when I'm talking to ambassadors and reps and distributors about our show, you know, asking them, you know, if they could kindly provide us samples of this, that, or the other, that's what I always tell them is what we're trying to do is we're trying to be the fun teacher you had in school. We're trying to make it entertaining and get the information through to you. You know, That's a good because analogy. if we if we if we didn't do it that way, it would be Ben Stern from from you know Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to listen to that. Although right. Ben Stern is cool as hell, <laughs> nobody wants to listen to him actually be a teacher. You know, um, because you fall asleep two minutes in, and there are shows like that that are great shows and and part, you know send out so much knowledge, but ten minutes in, you're 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 going out. So we try to keep it lively. We try to keep it fun and try to get the information to you in a way that it's easy to, you know, that spoonful of sugar helps it go down. So um, Absolutely. But every time we do a new show, we all sit down and look at each other at this very table and go, Can you believe that people are listening to this? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go. So, you know, so far so good. We can't complain, but definitely um, not. So tell us, tell us about your day job. Uh, you want to go first? Uh, no, you go. Well, we know Maury's a prostitute. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when I'm not prostituting, I'm a urologist by day, checking out prostates. That's why I take him. Every time I go to Kentucky, I try to get him to go with me. Make sure that I got my special doctor with me. Uh, that's You're not the first person to make that request. I have some elderly relatives who like to bring their doctor along when they hunt in case they get chest pain. Yeah. Because yep. I do, I do still nowhere. know CPR. Yep. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm local here in uh, South Florida. Uh, take care of men, women, and children in all aspects of uh, urology and men's and women's reproductive and urinary health. And uh, when I'm not working, I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. That's it. Not at the same time. The, no, not. no, not at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely it, not. Yeah. But and and a, and a very well known and very talented surgeon. I mean, I know other doctors, and I tell them, "Oh, it's my buddy Maury," and they go, "Oh, I know Maury." You know, everybody knows the guy. So, and he's right. He he does help a lot of people. In fact, my son had an issue, and it turned out that he was the doctor that that uh, helped my son out uh, with his surgery. And, oh, yes. and he, you know, was totally at ease with him. So, you know. He's kind of a mensch, but damn good doctor. So. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. What about you, what about you Denise? Well, that's a really uh, Deep good subject. question these <laughs> days. What am I actually doing? No, um, I'm a registered nurse, actually. I spent my entire uh, career being a nurse. Interestingly enough, um, you know, I have children of my own. And uh, when they graduated high school and they were entering college, you know, one of the first questions for me is, so what would you like to study? And I don't know, mom. I'm like, you don't know. And that's probably because I knew that I would be a nurse when I was in kindergarten. Mm. I, I, I don't know why. I knew that uh, anytime I would go to a hospital to visit a family member or a friend um, with my family, 
as crazy as it sounds, I would walk into the hospital and just the smell, I would say, wow, I'm going to work here one day. And most people would say, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Have you mm. smelled a hospital? Um, but there was just something about that, I guess, antiseptic sort of Foreshadowing scent. of Lagavulin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And age and iodine. And, right. uh, you know, graduated high school and decided I already know what I'm going to do. So uh, there I was and here I am and uh, hoping to uh, slide into retirement. Uh, in the very near future. And just well, I can tell you with certainty after drinking. spending a week in the hospital for my <laughs> appendix, you weren't in there when they were serving the food. Because if you just no. smelled that, yeah, you would have ran away. Yeah, I'm sure. It was... Uh, That's because you had HMO insurance. Right. If you had real insurance, you'd have gotten the good stuff. Like the, like like anyone has real insurance? Like anybody can afford it? Come uh, on, no. man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother subject right there. But yeah, so... I've, I've had a wonderful career. Oh, and interestingly enough, last night, I met my nursing fundamentals instructor, ran into her. Nice. And all she said was, please don't tell me what year that was. And I said, I won't. <laughs> so that was oh, a beautiful 2012. What are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was great. We had a good time. Yeah. All right. Fun well, we'll stuff. be back. Hey, and we're back. And we're with the Chats episode with Made Man Mori, good old gal Denise. And... Uh, so we were talking about what you guys do for a living. Um, I know both of you, like me, are, are you know big into whiskey and wine and even more into the wine than the whiskey or started in the wine mm -hmm. and, and went to the whiskey. Um, you know, Denise, how did you first really get into wine? Oh, good wine? Yeah, real wine. Not, okay. I was yeah, going to say, because all yeah. nurses probably start with the, I have been like looking Boone's at a Farm map of Napa Valley for, for six months. I can't find Boone's Farm anywhere. I'm, when I'm there in January, I want a tour of Boone's Farm, but I can't find it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a secret location. That's right. <laughs> no doubt about that. Only the government's allowed to go there. Exactly. Um, I would have to say, gosh, well, hasn't really been that long. Um, I don't know, 20 plus years, I guess, to really say that. I've been introduced to um, by some people that are really close to me uh, to some really great wines. Um, and that really expanded to friends who have uh, amazing deep wine cellars who are incredibly uh, generous and, and just love to share uh, really good stuff. And so, as you know, once you start drinking the good stuff, yeah, you, can't you go just back. can yeah. not go back. Um, and I think actually that never with a lot of people, I think it can sometimes start with whites, but for me, um, I think I was really introduced early on to some really special, uh, California cabs. And I think that, you know, my palate just, um, grew from there, just expanded to, um, even some nice, uh, red zins, uh, some really, uh, hmm. special pinots and then um to be perfectly honest probably somewhere in between some really nice chardonnays hmm. and uh once you know you've had that really great stuff and I've traveled around the world a bit and you know had some really interesting wines in other places but uh uh my palate and my heart always come back to uh the states mm. to the california cabs yeah yeah well you always tend to go you know the one that really first won your heart is always going to be there always 
And, Always. And like you said, when you, you start meeting people who are already into the hobby, mm-hmm. and, and it's this way with wine, it's this way with beer, it's this way with whiskey, when you find somebody who's already like where you're at now, right? the nice thing about it is the fact that they are always so generous. Mm-hmm. The people who are really into it, you know, they're collectors who put stuff on a wall and admire their dusty bottles that they right. never open. Right. Um, but the real fans are the ones who are literally the first ones to go, oh, you've got to try this one and, and jerk, right. you know, the, you know, the $300 bottle of wine out of the cellar and go, let's have this one. You know, they're, they're looking for an excuse to share it with somebody. Yeah. I think and, that's well said yeah. and, and a good point. And I, and I've been blessed to know people like that. That are so passionate, years, right? That and are passionate. just want to teach. I was just and, at a tasting, share. a world-class tasting. One of the guys was like, I think I have one of those. But you got, we got to include this. Yeah. You got to, you got to try this. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and another guy pipes up, well, I have another one of these, and someone's like, can I buy it from you? No, no, they're not for sale. You invite me, we'll drink it together. Yeah. But that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so those kind of people have had a profound influence on me. And well, once upon a time, I thought, these are my Boone's Farm friends, and these are my yeah. uh, mm-hmm. higher-end wine friends. I've learned that um, you can really open somebody's eyes, yeah. and it's really fun to watch those neurons connect mm-hmm. when they try something they've never had before, and that's not full of grape juice and um, you know high fructose corn syrup, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wow, I I never knew mm-hmm. anything could taste like that." Yeah, the other nice thing is is it 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 when you get somebody like that, if you're already deep in the hobby, it makes you remember. These are for drinking. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, somebody comes in and go, man, I've never had that. You, It's like a switch goes off in your head. Well, let's open it. Right. You know? I've had I'm, more than one person come to my, on my house, and whether it's tequila, which is a memorable one, uh, bourbon, scotch, or wine, uh, we end up doing a tour. Yeah. Oh, well, if you'd like this, you got to try that. And if yeah. you try this, you got to try this. And this person comes in and probably has what would be a priceless experience mm-hmm. around the world. And just like their eyes are like yeah. pumpkins, just wide open, and it, that's fun. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah, I like I like grabbing something, you know, something that you bought, especially with the wine, you know, something that you bought how many years ago? It's been sitting in your chill room for all those years, and then you have people over and you just randomly pull it out for no reason at all. Like you're literally like sitting around a table and playing cards and having Cheetos, and like you know what would go good with this. I've got this uh, 18-year-old Cheval Blanc. Hell with it. Let's open it. Right. And people will go like, oh, my God, it's amazing. Like, how much is that worth? And I go, well, like an auction? And, <laughs> well, the sticker's still on it. I paid the X for it. And they're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Oh, no, an auction is worth like 25 times that. Right. And they're like looking at you and it's like, this is all I have in it. That money's long gone. I'm not even thinking about that money. Exactly. So basically, in my head, this is free and I'm drinking it. What do you think? Goes go with the, go with the Cheetos. Yes, it does. So, um, you know, that's that's the thing I like about these quote unquote hobbies is is, you know, the that the people that get into it and who are truly, really fans of it are the most generous people that you'll run into. I agree. And I, agree. I think we're we're sort of talking about wine, but I think the same is true really of whatever the collection is. Wine, whiskey, mm-hmm. beer, we'll tequila. Do the same. Yes. We've yeah. done the same with yeah. our craft beer yeah. collection. We've done the same with it, it our goes I mean, I'm not a big I'm not a cigar guy, but it goes with cigars. It goes Absolutely. with anything. It goes with any hobby you're in. Right. And mm-hmm. the the people who are really the fans of it, there's there's the fanboys. 
you know, who have the collection that they should, and then there's the real fans. And those are always the generous people. And the other thing about it is, is it's the same with whiskey. It's the same with beer. It's the same with wine. It's the same with all of them. It's a progression. Like you said, you know, you started out with your, you know, your Boone's farm friends mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. And then somebody shared with you, you know, that first nice little wine for 20 right. or 30 bucks. And you went, wow, that is so much better. And, you know, we're in South Florida. So when I grew up, it was sweet, white, and cold mm-hmm. because it's 100 degrees here in sure. January. And, you know, you do that and then you get tired of it and mm-hmm. you start drinking good stuff like that. And then you go, well, what would be a little better? And then, you know, oh, well, there's all these nice little white wines in Alsace and and Burgundy and some nice ones from California and Oregon. And you start trying those and then you get into a little heavier and a little heavier. And then you start trying the reds and the fruity reds. And it's just it's that progression. It's the same thing with whiskey. You know, you start out with, you know, Jack or Jim Beam or whatever. And then somebody gives you that first glass of Booker's mm-hmm. and you go, whoa, what is this? And then, you know, you start going. And then once you get into the hobby, then you ping pong. Sure. You know, <laughs> then, right. then it's like, you know, you want nothing but like cast strength, the most insane, you know, 140 proof plus bourbon. And then all of a sudden you don't want that anymore. And all you want is Lagavulin and an Ardbeg or whatever, you know, or you only want, you know, really nice, beautiful, soft Pinot Noirs from Oregon State or, Cal- or Washington State. And, and then all of a sudden all you want is Shiraz from Australia, you know, you're your palate moves around once it gets educated. Right. Well, because not only does your palate expand, but at that point, you know, your mind, um, your interest, uh, the intrigue. So, you know, I, I just think that uh, we're not born knowing great wines or great whiskeys or any great spirit for that matter. Um, and unless we're introduced to it, um, and probably, you know, as Maury said, and in a way that's a little educational. Um, I've personally witnessed uh, Maury uh, convert, I guess you could say, you know, white wine spritzer drinkers, mm-hmm. you know, with a full glass of ice. And I'm not really sure what kind of white wine is in the glass, but really kind of slowly over time introduce them to, you know, some really nice whites or Chardonnays mm-hmm. and you know, then they get real interested and like, wow, what is this? And the reality is you go to a place like, you know, the big stores that sell just tens of thousands of bottles of wine. How could you possibly know what to select mm-hmm. other than some are kind of cheap and others are mm-hmm. like ridiculously expensive? So if you have the opportunity um, of somebody to introduce you to it and to tell you about it, um, then you're on your way. That's and then the next time they go guide, shopping, yeah. right. Yeah, they're not buying two buck Chuck next time. They're they're heading into the, you know, twenty dollar bottle and then a little bit more. And we all know that there's some great wines at some really uh great price points. Mm. But uh yeah, and you see those people and the spark in their eye just sort of like, wow, this yeah. is really great. And yeah. it, it feels good. It's nice. Yeah. Well, the education, and too. And then they have better stuff, so when you drink with them. Once you get the education, too, you you realize, there, like you said, there's there's good $10 wine. Right. There's good $20 wine. There's good $50 sure. wine. And and there's there's lousy $50 wine mm-hmm. and lousy $100 wine. Mm-hmm. And you quickly learn that money doesn't solve that equation. Right. And you learn to appreciate, you know, a, a wine you paid 10 bucks for that drinks like it's 20 
Right. That's 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 the biggest that's, win ever. Yeah. You know, because then you run back and you buy three cases of it. You know, and that's all you drink for the next couple of weeks. You know, because you're so yeah. happy. You found you know you found something that's that's shooting above its you know it's great so well there's two things I, I like to add with that one is uh yeah i think with exception occasional exception of people who start with a lot of money and just throw the most money at it to get started most people it's their budget and they'll start with what they can either afford or they can somehow justify spending and for some people ten twenty dollars for the first bottle of wine that they've never spent more than five or two bucks on is a big deal but then as you get into it, you recognize that there is some association with price and quality, yep. not yeah. 100%. Yeah. But also, as you grow and age and progress through life and through your hobby, for most people, their, their, their finances improve a little bit with time. Mm. And so as we grow up, so to speak, we grow up financially and are better able to afford, learn A, to justify it that $20 is something, even though it's more than you spend, it's, it's in your budget, but also the ability to spend more than that as your taste progresses. So that's neat. And then the second point I wanted to make was, was teaching. Many of us, um, depending on your profession, but I would argue many professionals, we're sort of born to teach. We're born to impart that knowledge that we've acquired to others. And so I think Denise, I can say as well in her day job, as well as mine, um, we do a fair amount of teaching. I teach people at all levels from lay public and lectures to nurses, to medical students, to, to residents, interns, and, and colleagues. But that carries over to a lot of our hobbies. You can't help it. You get passionate about it. You start talking about this wine. And next thing you know, you start with just describing this glass in my hand and ending with uh, a lecture about all the nuances of how and why and where and stuff. And then people just sort of gravitate to that. So I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting hobby in that there's a lot of components to it. Um, but as Bob, you mentioned the word spirit guide, you know, and I think you can interpret that in many ways, but having somebody who, who is a mentor and helps guide you and get mm -hmm. you started, um, like Denise mentioned, thousands of wines, a total wine, and how do you cut through that, and, and where did you start? And a lot of times, those things will trace back to um, that first glass, that first bottle, that first whiskey, and that one person. And I don't care whether or not anybody remembers the the me or the person, but I'm excited when I see somebody who's now got a collection. Mm -hmm. I could think of somebody among the show who had maybe one bottle and now has a room, mm -hmm. and right. has really gotten the passion and really developed a collection from the passion that you feel from other people as well as listening it starts with really and how do they make that and what makes that different and next thing you know they're repeating it to someone else and you're you all of a sudden become almost like a missionary and that you're converting other people and 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 denise is right i remember people over the years who are literally drinking you know jack and coke and now are drinking some fine bourbon um need or on the rocks and uh similarly with inexpensive wines or inexpensive beers um it's fun when you come back and bump into those people six months or six years later and they're like a whole new person and they've really grabbed it and run with it so well that's why all of us i think have always encouraged um anybody that's interested i mean if you're really interested in wines and learning about them then do yourself a favor take yourself out to napa and sonoma and I know, Bob, you've been there many times. Um, and the same with people who get, you know, interested in whiskey. You, you need to go and do the bourbon trail or you need to go to some distilleries because when you learn how they make it from start to finish, when you get to 
smell the sour mash and dip your finger in it and taste it and learn about it. It that that it experience you. It connects, connects you. Changes you to that spirit and you come back literally a changed person mm. and you see it very differently. And even some of the charity dinners, Bob, that you put on and, you know, there are representatives from the company and they go, you know, through their lineup um, and you can see some people are just like, wow, really? You know, this could be the wife of, you know, a bourbon lover who never really had the opportunity to hear about it or learn about it. And now it's like, well, I got these whiskeys in front of me. Let me try them. And sometimes that's all it takes. I had a, uh, my dear friend um, for, since we were in grade school, reached out to me, I guess, a couple of years ago and said, hey, you know, um, I know you like bourbons and my niece is, you know, kind of a, a bourbon drinker and she's graduating college and I just want to get her a really special bottle, but I don't know anything about bourbon. So I said, well, how much do you want to spend? And she told me and we thought about it and got a consultation or two. And I think uh, we directed her to a really nice uh, Four Roses and uh she gave it to her niece and she came back a couple months later and said, my niece said that is the best bourbon she's ever had. Mm -hmm. So here she has this special bottle. She loves it. She'll look for it again, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and it just sort of even, you know, opens her up to a whole it new world. It sparks the curiosity. Of, yep. And once that she already happens, liked bourbon, yeah. but who knows what she was drinking in college, yeah. you know. Well, my wife's grandmother you know, was a scotch drinker, but she was drinking really cheap, mm -hmm. crappy, blended scotch. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with blended scotch, but she right. was drinking the cheapest, you know. I mean, yeah. And we went up to visit her one time. They would do a birthday thing for her. All her kids would get together in Daytona Beach. And I said, I'm bringing grandma a present. So I, I brought her a bottle of Glenmorangie. Oh. Just, just Glenmorangie 10. I know she likes scotch, and, she, and I'm like, and I brought it because I'm selfish because I thought, well, I'm going to be there with all this crowd. I'm going to need to drink, and I'm not drinking what she's got, and I'm too fat to drink beer. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to bring this, and gave her some, and you could see her mind just explode when she drank it. Right. So then it became a thing. Now she like realized there's really good stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So every time we would go visit, I would get her something, and I'm literally not spending a lot of money right i think the next bottle i got her was a monkey shoulder you know and a, a lovely blended scott great yeah. really good stuff um and i would keep sending her things like that and and you know up, up until she passed she was you know she was very excited about all the new stuff right. that was coming and you can just see that spark light up in somebody and i had a similar really experience great. to that with somebody that i started you know, just having a little dram at their house mm. and it was, you know, the house blended, whatever, doers or some entry level. And slowly but surely, uh, you know, we evolved to some pretty nice high-end stuff. A McAllen 18 was sort of the special mm. go-to and I still have a little tiny dram left in a little bottle that I once shared with mm. somebody very special. And um, that was kind of the special occasion dram. But this person literally evolved from... Uh, entry-level blended scotch to some of the best yeah. on the planet and uh and it's fun to see that evolution and sometimes it's about knowledge sometimes it's about budget sometimes it's about just i don't know and uh something sparks it and uh lo and behold they they get the fever yeah i mean i i can remember what sparked it me because I, I started in wine and was you know in wine when i was barely legal to drink um 
and you know god bless them this is the first time i actually you know had had a couple of decent wines i was i, I was on vacation and somebody actually brought a decent wine as opposed to you know matus or leave for Melcher. And I had some, and I went, holy cow, this tastes entirely different. And then we went to a store somewhere, and I'm looking on the magazine rack, and I see Wine Spectator. And I go, there's a magazine about wine? And picked it up and looked through it, and that changed my life. Interesting. Because then I realized there's this whole community. Not only are there these all these wines, right. but there's all these wines I can afford at, my, at that age. Yeah. And that was the thing that got me started. We'll be back. Hey, and we're back, and we're here with a chats episode, and we're talking to Maid Man Maury and good old Gal Denise. So, um, let's change let's change things up a little bit, sure. um, and let's uh, let's talk about the wine that we're drinking. So, uh, we've got a lovely little Chardonnay here um, that we're going to enjoy in some new um, their shatterproof wine glasses from a company called Govino. Um, this one is called the best Govino ever. Um, most of the you know, shatterproof type of glassware that I've seen has always been kind of, you know, cheapy and yeah. I mean, these are lovely. I mean, they're they really are. nice. They've got a good feel to them. Um, they're made from uh, engineered to look like uh, crystal durable recycle with their dishwasher safe. They're made in the U S by, uh, by Govino. It's a hundred percent Triton from Eastman. Uh, so it's a BPA-free polymer, so you're not getting nasty chemicals mm -hmm. or anything in your wine. And apparently these things are popular. They they use them at Coachella and Test of Ale and whatnot. But, I mean, lovely glasses. I You know, if I had a pool, I'd, I, I will give you guys these. You have a pool. Yeah. <laughs> well, dishwasher safe, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's we all, a big step We all up. know that, um, you know, these types of uh, glassware, you mm -hmm. cannot put in the dishwasher. They just completely uh, ruin them yeah. and turn them white and milky white Fuck. now with the best govino ever mm. uh i'm glad that, we didn't get the less govino ever is that do they all have this beautiful little thumb indention um, or is that only with yeah, the best govino ever there's those and um, there's just smaller ones that uh, that they sent us as well, and I think they have the little thumb dent on them as well. So. I mean, honestly, I would have thought oh, that's a gimmick, yeah. but my thumb fits yeah, it in goes there right perfectly, there and it, well, and the nice it makes is, this glass so comfortable. It puts your hand above the wine, yeah, so you're not getting it. Yeah, I mean, hot. it's perfect. So that's the I thing love I it. like about it. Yeah, it's a great glass. I well, we're going to be tasting in this nice glass. We're going to be tasting some Chardonnay from Overlook. So it is the, or, or, well, Overlook, <laughs> Landmark, sorry. Uh, Landmark Vineyards, their Overlook Chardonnay. Uh, it's from Sonoma County. It's 14.2% ABV, 100% Chardonnay, French oak age for 10 months, 25% uh, new casks. Um, it's crafted by winemaker Greg Statch from 42 separate blocks of grapes, and they're sourced from some areas in Sonoma County, such as the Petaluma Gap, Sonoma Caneros, and Russian River Valley. Um, they're whole cluster pressed. The juice is placed in French oak barrels, again, 25% new, and allowed to ferment naturally with the yeast that was present on the grapes. Apparently, Maury is... It's, choked up. it's not cocaine. Oh my yep. god! <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah. And then the wine also. I'm off saliva. duty, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you die, you're you're out of luck. She's been drinking, and I have no medical training whatsoever. I have a doctorate, but it's the wrong kind. Um, and then the wine also goes un undergoes malolactic fermentation and is stirred uh, every two weeks. What do you think? Denise? I love it. I do. Um, you know, 
as I mentioned earlier, I started actually probably drinking red wines mm -hmm. and somewhere in between, uh, you know, I was introduced to um, some nice white wines. I am a, a, a fan of Chardonnay. I am a fan of oak Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like this particular Chardonnay has just enough oak. It it's is definitely exactly. not over oaked. Um, so that's it, why I love my girl. Her and me, our palates are like, uh, Always. I think this range. is also um, very nicely balanced because very of the French nicely oak, balanced because of the French oak and because only twenty five percent of it is new. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, so it's lovely. I mean, I think the nose. <laughs> I definitely get uh, the lemon and uh, almond on mm -hmm. the nose, and yep. uh, the palate is is really nice. I mean, on a day like today in South Florida, with not a cloud in the sky, I don't know. Low humidity, I have no idea. It's got to be probably 80, low 80s. Yeah, I could sit outside and, and drink this bottle. No problem. Yeah, don't get it too cold. It definitely closes up. Right. We've, we took this out, and it's been warming up as, as we've been doing the show. And mm -hmm. I think right now it's at its perfect spot. So, I mean, if you took this Agreed. at a cellar temperature, this would this would have been spot on from the beginning. But right. It did not need to be or chilled any more yeah. than cellar temp. No, it's perfect. But perfect. I, the I nose fools you, though. You, there, you know, the mm -hmm. oak on the nose is, is, is not – I mean, it's not a big, big oak Chardonnay, which I don't like when it's too oaky. I'm like you. I like to have oak. I just don't want it to like hit me over the head. Mm -hmm. and, and the nose fools you, but the oak is very well balanced. Well, there's a lot of people out there who subscribe to the ABC theory, anything but Chardonnay. And honestly, I, I don't. don't know why that's happened. I, I happen to think in terms of white grapes, Chardonnay is my favorite white mm -hmm. grape. Uh, there's some amazing world-class uh, Chardonnay-based uh, wines up to and including white Burgundies, which are phenomenal. Uh, but this is a real old-world style Chardonnay. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think part of it starts with the French oak and using a combination of old and new French oak really just is a completely different finesse and profile yeah. style than, say, American well, it oak. It gives you enough. It doesn't beat you over the head right. with it, and right. it doesn't slip under your palate to where you don't notice it. That's Correct. right. And then it's got some acidity, some minerality. It really reminds me of a very nice uh, French Burgundy. It's yeah. a very... Uh, oh, yeah. It's definitely got that it's mineral. It's definitely old-world style. Yeah. Now, they, they talk about malolactic fermentation, which normally gives a very big buttery feel on the palate, yeah. and this really is almost imperceptible. Yeah. I, I had to look to read it yeah. to even know I don't know think the malo was in this was that long uh, you know however long they did and i'm with you usually you get that just over beat over the head with butter and that that's not here this is very right. crisp and it's very fresh and that's what i love about chardonnay it can really range from almost sauvignon oh, yeah. blanc like with very right. high acidity and bright and minerality mm -hmm. and stainless steel fermentation and there are some chardonnays mercelet comes to mind where there's no oak whatsoever yeah and then all the way to and, the other and extreme. fantastic wine completely right. different but fantastic and same great so i love the fact that there's versatility in the style and the other extreme can be high oak very buttery yeah. and then everything in between and and this one really uh i think is very well well done it's it's nicely balanced it's beautiful and uh like i said a finesse is the yeah. word that comes well, to well, mind you've hit it right on the head and that's the thing is is chardonnay does get a little bit of hate from some people it does and it shouldn't because honestly it is the wd-40 of grapes you can do like you anything said, you can yes. take something from that's never seen wood to something that is uber mallow, uber oak, huge oak, huge butter, and everything in between. You can take it from an almost Sauvignon Blanc 
flavor to just that classic burgundy and everywhere in between. I agree. And I, I don't think that it's very easy to just, uh, you know, Chardonnay's a Chardonnay. They're, yeah. they're so dramatically different. And then I guess the other thing to point out while we're here is the fact that in America, we name our wines by the varietal. In this mm. case, it's a Chardonnay. You'll never find a Chardonnay from France. Mm. It's white Burgundy, typically. Mm. They're naming by region. It happens to be that white Burgundy is known for its Chardonnay grapes, and red Burgundy is Pinot Noir. Well, and that's, that's what confusing. makes the mystery in America so much fun because when you look at like you said if you go to that wine store that's got 800 chardonnays unless you have somebody there that's had it you have no idea what you're going to get that's right it's kind of fun it's your forrest gump and his box of chocolates you have no idea what you're going to get right so you know you may like it you may not like it equally fun is the fact that you go and say you know i've tried american chardonnay i'd like a chardonnay from France, you can't find it. You got to read the fine print to find out what the grape is. And you're never going to find a French Chardonnay section. You'll find French white Burgundy, uh, et cetera. And uh, so that part's fun too. And those are little tidbits that once you start to tell people about it and get them educated, they can experiment and go off down the rabbit hole and trying Mm -hmm. different things. I'm glad that you brought up the uh, Sauvignon Blanc because although um, I have found some that I enjoy, I have struggled um, with finding Sauvignon Blancs that I would drink on a regular basis. And I'm not really sure why that that is. But I have been introduced to some really lovely Sauvignon Blancs mm. that I enjoy. I typically will lean toward Chardonnay. However, there are people who will only drink Sauvignon Blanc, as we know, and will tell you they don't like Chardonnay. And I think that they were probably either introduced to a over-oaked Chardonnay, and they were turned off by it. Um, This particular Chardonnay, I think if you are a Sauvignon Blanc drinker exclusively, and you don't like Chardonnays, you are going to love this. Because this is a beautiful segue into Mm -hmm. a very clean, crisp Chardonnay that resembles... um, those like we characteristics talking, that, that of a progression salt block. of your palate. I'm going to be contrary. All the oak. Yeah, this is your bridge to the next. I'm going to be contrary. I think what? that this is an intermediate no. bridge, and intermediate. I think that somebody could evolve to this as one of their favorite styles. But I think if you're a Chardonnay drinker, excuse me, a Sauvignon Blanc exclusive mm-hmm. drinker, I would put somebody into an unoaked stainless steel fermented Chardonnay, yeah, yeah. like okay. a Marsolet, yeah. and and that would be a transition for them to realize, hey, I could really do. Yeah. Uh, Chardonnay grape. This, ha- ha- don't but if you got this, this has some oak. It's not gonna knock you out. No, right. but this yeah. is not yeah. not an automatic jump from a Sauv Blanc drinker to Chardonnay. This is a, a two or three steps down the line, in my opinion. Really, the oak okay. is subtle, but if you're an unoaked, I, I would challenge you to put this next to well, a stainless steel. I, I take them from Sauv that Blanc. to bottles and James, but that's, <laughs> that's just me. That's you know, I'm I'm awful. I'm the kind of sewer. And that's spelled S-E-W-E-R. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I've, I've looked Ugh. for those guys last time I was in Napa. Couldn't find them anywhere, Ugh. you know? Yeah. But, yeah. So I think this does have some oak, and I agree that a Sauv Blanc drinker can evolve to this. But I think there are even things that are closer to Sauv Blanc, like a, an unoaked stainless steel only Chardonnay, that would really draw those people in. Mm-hmm. And then okay. evolve to this. Yeah, I'm just I'm just very happy with this because I've I've had Landmarks Pinot and I and I love their Pinot. I've never mm-hmm. had the Chardonnay. Just haven't had the opportunity. There's only so much time and only so many liver cells left. Do we know um, what the uh, 
price point on average no idea. would be on something? I'd just I, be curious because yeah, it's I mean, really it's, nice and, you know. I find another interesting point here that uh, often gets overlooked that this is a fermented On naturally. their website, it's 27 bucks. Oh, see? So, I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Right? You, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And, right. you know, if you find it in a store on sale, it's probably less because you're buying it from the winery's website. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've had their Pinot, and it was fantastic. So uh, now, Landmark, you've got me. I've got another Chardonnay that, that you know, that I need to start buying. So, uh, well done. This is the this one was the 2020. So if you see the Landmark Vineyards Overlook Chardonnay, Sonoma County 2020, um, grab one. Yeah, you know. I mean, it fall it definitely falls in the category of oh, I'm being a little selfish. I should bring a bottle that I want to drink. Um, if you're going to somebody's That's house what I and do. <laughs> in the backyard, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Bob, and I think we're all a little guilty of doing that yeah. on occasion. Um, but something like this, well, you to bring, bring a the ones bottles. you like to drink to your friends that aren't mm-hmm. into it. And your friends that are into it, that's who you bring the junk to. <laughs> right. Otherwise, just wanna, they just Because you just want to look good and you're just going to drink theirs, you know? So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, this would be great. I was starting to mention that uh, this is an interesting little tidbit that they ferment naturally with essentially wild yeast that's mm-hmm. present on the grapes. Uh, many wineries and, of course, many distilleries have proprietary yeast and they'll inoculate Um the batch with their proprietary yeast because each yeast strain does give a different flavor profile, yeah. uh, et cetera. Um, but this one is, is done with well, the wild. And that's yeast. the thing. Every one of these every year is going to be different because of that. Correct. Because what's going to be the more dominant strain is going to depend on which, what they got, you know, and the weather and the know. wind and everything yeah. else. So yes, it's definitely going to be uh terroir driven. So well, well done landmark. Great, great oh, Chardonnay. Yeah. So wonderful. So let's get back to the interview. Okay. Um, when did you realize you'd crossed over <laughs> from casual hobbyist to um, fanatic, oh. hardcore geek? Yeah. I don't know. I can't really see myself as a hardcore geek. I I tend to surround myself with hardcore geek drinkers, both on the wine and whiskey side. And two of them are sitting them at the table with me. Um, So I don't know. Are you pointing fingers? I am pointing fingers and you should be proud of that. Uh, So gosh, I don't know. I would have to say. It's a good thing we're not at a Bible Belt meeting because (laughs) I'd I'd be hung because I've probably converted more people into uh, whiskey and wine and beer hobbies than I can shake a stick at. And Agreed. that's kind of fun to feel like you've got an army of apostles out there who are um, proselytizing the benefits of wine and whiskey. Uh, and I mean, when you think about that, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I was a you know, clear spirits drinker at uh, one point in my life Vodka. for too many years actually and uh i was introduced to brown spirits and um i don't know i guess that was what maybe 20 years or so maybe a little less about 20 years ago and never turned back uh it would be uh, a big leap for me even today to drink a bloody mary even though brunching is a thing um but with uh, vodka or clear spirits, just not my thing anymore. Brown spirits, it's just uh, so well, nice. It's one of those Better giant on ones palate, that have a rack just, of ribs and a cheeseburger right. and a taco on uh, it. Yeah, yeah okay, then that. I'm going for that. I'm, I'm yeah. doing that, definitely. But that's with, probably the only with vodka. whole fried chicken on it. That's the only vodka I've seen you drink. Honestly, in 15, yeah. 20 years, you've moved almost exclusively from vodka 
to brown spirits. And the nice thing about brown spirits is that you can expand your palate into almost anything brown, including extra añejo tequila, aged cognac. And you feel better the next day. All right. So rapid fire. We're coming to the end. All right. What's your go-to? Ooh. Wine or whiskey, whiskey, whatever. Oh, wow. It really depends on the day and the time of year. Yeah, but say that's me. In the evening, if I'm going to pour something, it's obviously going to be a whiskey, you know, mealtime. Uh, definitely it's going to be a nice bottle of wine. And to be honest, with burgers and grilled cheese, a nice craft beer. So it all works and uh, just really depends on the time of the day and my mood. All right, Maury, we've got a question for you. Hold on. What is your favorite word? Whiskey. What sound do you hate? That last drop at the end of the bottle <laughs> when there's nothing left. Oh, do you cry? I do. I hate dead soldiers. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse than an empty bottle. So, um, so that's about it. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for fun. having us. It's been yep. fun. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to drink some more of this. Absolutely. Hey, I have a a dear friend who's a full-time RVer now, and she's a white wine drinker, and we've introduced her to some really nice Chardonnays. This is going on the list, and these Govino glasses, I mean, she's at campsites, and she's outdoors most of the time. We have some beautiful plastic wine glasses. Are we still on the show? Yeah, Yeah. you're still on the show. Well, you're not. Okay. Bob and I are still (laughs) on the show. Yeah, we're talking. I'm not talking to you. So, yeah. This has all been great. uh, Yeah, the the plastic ones we've had before, they get foggy and the stems don't fit in the dishwasher very well. But the nice thing about these is you can take them anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to love it. Her RV has a dishwasher. Well, that's about (laughs) it for our chats episode. So, you know, I think it was a good show. And we'll uh, let the guys in. Post, take it away while we enjoy sipping our lovely Chardonnay. Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. Just tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast, Sip Suds and Smokes. We love your feedback. And you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at sipsudsandsmokes. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands. Millions. And millions. Of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode, and keep on sipping. Tan Hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.